Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Attention, true crime enthusiasts. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Oh, hello. Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined with our super producer, Paul, Mission Control Deckett. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. And that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. It's 2019. And uh, if you are remotely aware of the news, you understand that the government is still shut down. The government is this is the longest shutdown in modern U.S. history. So presumably they're not assassinating any uh, political activists at the moment. Well, the assassins are getting paid, at least. (laughs) There's back pay, right? Furloughed. Yeah. 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 Uh, This is a divisive time in the country, but that's something people always say. You know how, like, older people are always like, oh, new music sucks, uh, but old music's good, and people are always like, oh, this is the most divisive time ever. It's always been a real – there's a phrase Noel uh, Noel stumbled upon that I really like. It's always been a real ship show. It's true. 
Because we're a family show. We are family There was show. a P, just everyone, if mm-hmm. you're listening. Yeah. It's sort of like a trade show for boats. It's a ship show. <laughs> right, They're all right. up on stilts. You get to look at their undercarriages. <laughs> you know, it's like that. But with uh, with rampant, wanton uh, havoc politically uh, with quite real danger to many people. And we're not we're, we're not going to do some AM or FM political talking points show. We're not going to parrot out some headlines at you. We want to establish that context because it's often said that history is cyclical, right? It mm-hmm. maybe, maybe it doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. And the reason that cliche is a cliche is because it's true. That's the reason most cliches are cliches. It's because they're true. Everyone knows it. It's such an eye roll when people say it. Today we are taking a journey into a um, into an event that may be familiar to some of us uh, and may be brand new to others and it may be something that you just remember uh, from one line in a Rage Against the Machine song – uh, down Rodeo, mm-hmm. right? We were we were talking about this off air, uh, listening to Rage Against the Machine, and uh, the three of us. I don't know if you agreed, Paul, but the three of us, at least here in the booth, thought you know Rage Against the Machine holds up. Well, the thing too about well, not not to me this is all of a sudden a critique about Rage Against the Machine and their cultural significance, but the thing that stands up to me is that all of the other like rap metal bands or whatever they sound completely cliche and hackneyed now, but Rage Against the Machine just sounds like Rage Against the Machine. Nobody else really copied them so exactly that they sound like a tired you know copy of themselves. So yeah, good on them. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. being innovative. Just uh, another thing that I was reminded of. Uh, my wife is always trying to get me to listen to uh, newer music. Mm-hmm. And uh, back in the day, Jay-Z and um, – who's that guy? It's the other guy. Um, Jay-Z and Kanye. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I'm just joking. Kanye. They, uh, Give me a direction here. Something. I'm not <laughs> sure. I think it's – if you're looking at a map, I think it's to the, to the left. Kanye North by Northwest? Something like that. Okay. Um, no, but they had they had a song that mentioned – the person we're talking about today, and it uh, it just reminded me of that too. Just putting that up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so specifically that line in Down Rodeo is, they ain't going to send me camping like they did my man Fred Hampton, right? Mm. And that is a real person. Yes. This is common knowledge to some of us. This is uh, maybe a uh, an Easter egg for some people. But today we are exploring the life and times and untimely end of a very young man named Fred Hampton. Uh, Today, most people would not be able to point out Maywood, Illinois on a map. It's relatively small. It's a community of, at the closest estimate, uh, a little more than 23,500 people in Cook County's Proviso Township. Shortly after World War II, there was this kid, his name's Fred Hampton. Uh, he he went to he was born in Summit, Illinois. He went to a high school in Maywood in the area. He was great at math. He was he was a great athlete, and for a time he was a pre law student. He died. Spoiler alert: when he was twenty one years old. That is bonkers to me. Every time I look back at these, like, whether it's like musicians that die at such an early age, like Kurt Cobain, I forget they were like twenty three and twenty four years old. I still think of myself as a relatively young man. But it really makes you – puts things in perspective, you know? Yeah, just, uh, just getting started, Fred Hampton was. Mm-hmm. So 
what happened. To look at this, we will have to start with – uh, some some social context, some background. So here are the facts. Fred Hampton is today most widely known for his association with the Black Panther Party or BPP, officially the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense. This was founded in Oakland, California in 1966 by Huey Newton and Bobby Seale. Originally, these guys wanted to protect local residents of the Oakland community from police brutality. And this and, is – And from other a, crime and just like yeah. as a – like a local defense force essentially. Right. A self-governing community, right? We don't – we don't need uh, – we don't need the law enforcement industry as they saw it mm-hmm. to further repress – our community, there are so many things that could be solved, the reasoning goes, by by uh, just talking to kids because these are teenagers just saying, hey, don't cause trouble or, you know, it's it's like uh, you hear the stories of young kids who maybe get pulled over for something or they get caught drinking underage or smoking pot and then the officers up to their discretion, they can, they can book a kid and take them to juvie. Or they can do something that is scarier and more frightening for some of them, which is call their mother. Well, that's yeah. true. <laughs> um, it's interesting in the, the movie um, Black Klansman. I don't know if you guys have seen that yet, but it got some – I think Spike Lee finally got his first Best, best Picture and Best Director Oscar nomination it's for it. It's his first nomination in 30 years since Do the Right that's Thing. That's right. I watched it on the plane. Yeah, yeah, it's good. But there's a scene where Stokely Carmichael, who's the leader of the Black Panther Party, is speaking at a university and one of the organizers who's a college student who's got this you know um, college group that – organized this mm-hmm. event is very abusively pulled over by the very racist local right. police and just hassled for being the person that brought these people to this town, I believe, in Colorado, the city in Colorado. So um, that kind of stuff was happening all the time. Mm-hmm. And that was the there, there was absolutely a need to have some kind of protection within this specific community to keep stuff like that from happening. And need is key. These people weren't making these decisions for fun, right? They weren't yeah. like, hey, should we go bowling or should we we should we start a political party? And and then rock, paper, scissors for it. They saw a need and as the BPP evolved, its goals expanded. They recognized this was not something that needed to exist only in Oakland, California, but in the continent entire, right? Especially the US, but also also Canada. And the group eventually called for nationwide changes meant to combat the racial inequality in the U.S., which still exists today. Yeah. By the late 1960s, this organization had over 2,000 members. 2,000 admitted members. There were probably many, many more sympathizers, right? Or people who said, I see what you're doing. I tacitly, if not um, explicitly, support it. Critics of the party, including the FBI, saw this organization as a – they saw it as a hate group. They saw it as a um, – on the level of a racial supremacy group, you yeah. know, like the KKK. And they also saw it as primed to 
explode in some sort of like massive uprising or riot kind of situation mm. when in fact they were building schools in inner city areas of Oakland and they had like clinics and supply free lunches co-ops yeah. and all of this really incredible community building stuff breakfast programs for mm-hmm. kids and clothing drives and all of this stuff and the thing i mentioned earlier about the you know protecting themselves against you know racial profiling it certainly wasn't – it was much more of an awareness thing and of like a let's stick together and make people aware that they can't mess with us because we are of one mind and we will you know, look out for each other. Yes. And yeah. draw attention to the fact that this stuff is happening. And know your rights. That's yeah. also big proponents of the Second Amendment, which uh, – you know, the right to bear arms, not the animal bear arms. Yes. I feel like we always have to say that now. Uh, but the the right to hold a firearm. I think this is a good place to mention that the Black Panther Party is one of numerous organizations that find their origins in this time period. Oh, yes. Uh, where – and these are somewhat splintered groups where members of one like chapter of the Black Panther Party would go and form their own group. Mm-hmm. And this was this was happening – uh, throughout the United States. So there are there are basically you have to imagine if you look on a map, there are um, there are smaller groups all over the place rather than one unified group. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's an excellent point. Because not everybody agreed on every facet of the of the ideology, right? There would be people who agree with the push for equality, but they would say, hey, this is antagonistic, work within the system. And there were other people who said, well, you know, the system is built to destroy you. So you are destroying yourself and us if you play along with these games. And if you look closely enough, it's interesting how you can see the rationality for almost all of the groups. Like, because it almost makes sure. complete sense in every scenario with these groups that are coming together. It's all about philosophy. Sure. And philosophy is ultimately only as valuable as the actions it inspires, which I just made up, but I'm going to stick by that 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 uh, turn of phrase. I, really it, good. I think it belongs on a bumper sticker and or a plaque of some kind. Or a t-shirt. Oh my I, gosh. I really do think so. But this is totally true because the, the biggest thing that Fred Hampton was known for was being like an organizer. He was a great speaker. He could bring people together and um, he pushed for this idea that the people in charge were using tools, using racism as a tool mm-hmm. to control people that were not in their Club, you know, which is I. That's Tales not like, old as time. That's not yeah. a conspiracy theory. No, no. That's, that's, that's just absolutely just look true. at it. And uh, and some conspiracy theories, for the record, are true. Uh, but he he is right. There's there's an active conspiracy. The the federal government at this time, as the Panthers expand, the federal government considers this group and associated groups terrorists, and they lump them in with the various other separatist or um, status quo challenging groups that you alluded to earlier, Matt. Uh, In the FBI's estimation, the BPP was an extremist group that, quote, advocated the use of violence and guerrilla tactics to overthrow the U.S. government. That's that's a heavy phrase to drop. It is. That's – there's – whether or not you largely agree with the idea of – let's just pick one thing. Whether or not you agree with the Second Amendment, uh, it's it's a hell of a leap to say that people attempting to police their own communities are automatically going to the White House to burn down the Oval Office. That's, that's, a, that's a logical leap and – 
It's when the FBI bought. Well, it's absolutely. They didn't. Even, I don't know. Or if they, they even, sold. They it. sold it yeah. exactly. It's absolute hyperbole, and it's like we're saying. It's this idea of selling to the public this notion that this group of organized African American people are somehow a threat to you in your white yeah. communities or in your you know way of life and your job and all of this stuff and your safety. It Therefore, really, yeah. they accept whatever they need to do to get rid of them. It really is propaganda, but we cannot discount that some of these splintered off groups were using sure. extreme vi- extreme Absolutely. violence as the a weather man yeah. yeah and uh i think it's the symbionese uh liberation, liberation front sure like these other much more extreme could even now be classified as terrorist groups right yeah. this is during the this is during the vietnam era uh, meaning that the oh i have a great metaphor for this i okay. want to save it for the end but uh but the uh, the idea here uh, was one of an existential threat. So the Federal Bureau of Investigation uh, deals with things like, you know, human trafficking, drugs, uh, murders across state lines, that kind of stuff. And they said, eh, back burner, back burner, back burner, dissidents, extremists, terrorists, people who want the U.S. to be less racist, them too. And, and that's our number one priority. That's our priority. They said, like, you know, Drugs, human trafficking, interstate murder, that's – stuff happens, you know, omelets, eggs. But I'll tell you what, buddy, these hippies, these Black Panthers, this injustice shall not stand. Only our injustice shall stand, one might imagine. Oh, man. So let's – with that context, let's look at Fred Hampton. It's a name that's familiar to people. But it's also an, uh, it's a, this is the name of a real person, not yes. just a symbol, right? He's, uh, he's a smart kid. We mentioned that he was born in Summit, Illinois. That was on August 30th, 1948. So like us, he's an August kid. Mm-hmm. He was raised in Maywood and he graduated from the high school there with honors in 66, 1966. From high school, he first went to the Developmental Institute at the YMCA Community College in Chicago, and then he attended Triton Junior College in River Grove, Illinois. He majored in pre-law because he planned to familiarize himself with the legal system, to know his rights, with the aim of better protecting his community against what he saw as the threat of the police. And there's there's a, there's an interesting confluence of contrasting views here because Hampton saw the police as an existential threat to his community and the FBI eventually saw the Black Panthers as an existential threat to their community. Yeah. So originally – and he's a very young kid at this time. Originally, Mm -hmm. Fred organized for the NAACP. Yes. The National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, just uh, to put that back in there. Um, And then he ended up joining the Black Panther Party in 1968, which was headquartered at the time in Oakland, California. And, you know, after he joins up with them, he moves to Chicago and he he basically develops an Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party. He gets in on the ground floor. And over the next year in Chicago, Hampton and other members of the chapter and people associated with it achieve some pretty impressive stuff. You know, like like Noel said earlier, they are supplying uh, clothing, they're supplying food, they're organizing, they're educating. The most notable achievement 
or the one people remember the most yeah. often now, uh, was that Hampton brokered a deal between uh, some of Chicago's most powerful street gangs by saying, look, we are in a system that wants you to fight. It wants you to kill one another because then you won't vote. It wants you to kill one another because then you won't get old enough, maybe not even to your 30s. Yeah. And you have to be in your 30s to be president, right? And if you're fighting each other, you can't see the real enemy, essentially. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And this message resonated with these gangs. And so he he televised this multiracial, class-conscious alliance between the BPP, the Young Patriots Organization, and the Young Lords. Yeah. This was technically a non-aggression pact um, because he, he said, you know, this, this is what the system wants. It wants to keep you poor. It wants to keep you dying young yeah, or it, put you in prison. And he was – you know, it, we said this was televised. Mm-hmm. He – Fred Hampton was somebody if you listen to, he is very convincing. Mm-hmm. And um, if, you, if you listen to him, I mean – it's just one of the – there sometimes comes along a speaker, a public speaker who can in a way – and I don't know if this is the right word, but almost entrance you where you're just listening and you're like, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I hear what you're saying. The way you're speaking, what you're saying, it's speaking to me. It's mm-hmm. not – you're not speaking at me. You're speaking to me. And since it was on television, the, the right, I guess, and wrong people were noticing. Ah, excellent point, Matt. Yes, yes, because – this is a moment that can be uh, propagated before it can be censored, right? Yes. So after this watershed event, after this watershed year, during this year, uh, Fred Hampton also coins a phrase that will be familiar with a lot of people who may not have heard of Fred Hampton, which is the phrase Rainbow Coalition, arguing again for a multiracial cooperative to address the entrenched poverty of lower working class Chicago and more importantly, the country as a whole. Uh, this was later taken up by successive uh, political pundits, right? Yeah. It was really used. Um, it morphed over time, let's say. Mm-hmm. It did. It did. And one thing I like about what you're pointing out with the televised, with the televised let's all get together, cooperate, overthrow the system – Right, forget the G rides. I want the machines that are making them. Uh, this, this, the BPP did have uh, a Maoist or communist tinge to its ideology, you know, and this made uh, the idea of the Black Panther Party a compounding threat. That's right, because right. we're still we're we're in Cold War era at this point, and they were essentially messing with the money. What happened this year? Well, at the very end of 1969, according to the official story, uh, Fred Hampton died in an apartment raid uh, searching for illegal weapons on in the early hours of December 4th, 1969. The FBI saw themselves as protecting the population, protecting the innocent population of Chicago, and officially they were raiding a dangerous group that possessed ostensibly illegal weapons. One more time, officially, that's what they were doing. It should go without saying, but I'll say it, not everyone believes the story. And we'll get into that story after a quick word from our sponsor. 
Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit ATT.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great tasting all natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. And we're back. And I just want to point this out here. Um, this is when Fred Hampton died. Just as a fun fact, it was. It's not fun. Uh, it was two months after the last confirmed Zodiac killing. Okay, let's keep going. Here's where it gets crazy. So the federal government sees this and associated groups as a threat. They are terrified of the idea of um, anything challenging the solvency of the government, uh, the breaking of the rule of law. So the question becomes how far would the US government go to prevent what they saw as the spread of subversive elements? Would they in fact, MI5 style, CIA style, break the laws they were supposed to enforce in pursuit of what they saw as a greater good. Evidence overwhelmingly indicates, yes, the FBI essentially engineered an assassination. Yeah. And um, it's tough to look past the evidence, especially if you look at the the full picture here. 
um, with something we're about to get into, mm-hmm. a, a specific program. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. Which will be familiar to fellow longtime listeners. Let's start with a guy named Mark O'Neill. We'll, we'll go into detail about him in a moment. What you need to know about Mark is that he was in the BPP and associated with it, but he was also, for part of the time, an FBI informant. And on the night of December 3rd, after a political education session, Hampton and his girlfriend, who was pregnant, and several of their associates went to an went, went to this apartment where they were going to spend the night. And uh, this guy, Mark O'Neill, was functioning as security. Uh, he also made dinner. Yeah. He made dinner and he drugged Fred Hampton with barbiturates, which prevented him – from waking up at all, okay? That night, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he slept peacefully in this bedroom with his girlfriend, and the police, when they conducted the raid uh, around 4 a.m. or so, they came in guns blazing, right? And there was – was it Mark O'Neill? Was he the one holding the shotgun? Mark O'Neill was uh, was there, or at least for a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because, again, he set the entire thing up. So the police shot security. It was one guy with a shotgun. They yep. just shot him. Yeah, that was not Mark O'Neill. That was not Mark O'Neill. No, they just shot the guy. Uh, as he's dying, shotgun discharges. It's the only shot the BPP fired that night. And then they aimed their fire on the bedroom where Hampton and his, again, pregnant girlfriend. And again, these, these people are in their 20s, right? Yeah. He, they, they shot a 21-year-old kid asleep in a room, and you could claim fog of war. You could claim uh, best of intentions or that the road to hell is paved with those kinds of tiles. Or you could claim this was part of something called COINTELPRO, which it was, just for the record. Yeah. I, I want to put that out there. COINTELPRO. And yeah. you may be most familiar with this word, um, unfortunately, slash kind of fortunately, uh, through the work of Alex Jones. And you'll hear him yelling about it on the internet sometimes. Um, but yeah, COINTELPRO, it's an actual thing. Yeah, it was founded by the FBI in 1956, and it was just kind of a catch-all term for a counterintelligence program. Well, that's what it was short for, a counterintelligence program um, that was designed to stop the Communist Party initially. Uh, and then it began to kind of branch off and attack some of these more domestic groups um, that we talked about, including the Socialist Worker Party, of course, the Black Panthers, and any of the other splinter groups that we've been talking about throughout, some of which were quite dangerous and did pose a threat. Also, in their defense, the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah. So they they were hunting anything they saw as subversive. It's a very bad time to be a vegan. Just just yeah. to give you a sense of how how rigid their ideology was on on Uncle Sam's side, or an animal rights activist. Oh yeah, yeah, or an animal rights activist. Uh, by the way, I watched. Oh, it's not animal rights. Sorry, I watched this movie called Edge of Darkness mm-hmm. last night. It just mm-hmm. happened to be on HBO, and uh, <laughs> I was just flipping through, and it was um, activists who were trying to expose a nuclear weapons program. But it felt very similar, like the off the grid groups, you uh-huh. know. That are functioning for a higher purpose. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, no, no credit cards, right? No mm-hmm. credit card usage. Watch out for your phone. It has GPS. 
Yeah. It's not about the money. It's about sending a message. Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Sorry. I'm, I know I'm making crazy eyes at you. I just – I get it. Yeah. So the Panther Party wasn't originally part of the COINTELPRO targets, right? Part of the FBI targets. But by 1968, J. Edgar Hoover himself considered them to be, quote, the greatest threat to the internal security of the country because he saw them as commies, right, as yeah. communists and additionally as um, – People stirring up the pot, you know, almost as insurgents. He saw it as a potential insurgency. Well, yeah, it goes back to that existential threat to the United States because some of the philosophy and some of the some of the truth that is being spoken within these groups and being televised speaks to some of the biggest problems that exist in the country at this time from an inequality standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's dangerous if you get enough people to truly follow and believe, especially if you have main parts of this group that are armed. Right. I can imagine why J. Edgar Hoover and some of his groups were terrified of, mm-hmm. of this type of organization. Yeah. And by 1969, the Panthers were one, you know, one of the primary targets steered by Hoover and the FBI attempted a number of – nefarious strategies to weaken the group. The FBI was primarily concerned with a sort of a domino effect or an accretion, you know, of uh, similar groups that got together and said, hey, you're on the same page. You you also understand the idea or you, you agree with us uh, with this idea of the proletariat, right, and the class struggle. Yeah, let's all work together. That's for, dangerous. For as long as it lasts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, human beings have been saying, let's work together until one of them stabs the other one in the back for, like before recorded history, probably before Homo sapiens. It's yeah. just sort of our thing. So the fact that Fred Hampton was, as, as you pointed out, Matt, this enormously compelling, uh, brilliant speaker, this unifying force, uh, the fact that he had these capabilities made him a target. It put the target on his back as far as Uncle Sam was concerned. And especially at yeah. the age of 21. Yeah, especially being so young. Like you said, he's just beginning. And to prevent this growth, to um, to stop him short, the FBI started surveilling Hampton and his associates to the best of their ability, wiretapping, which is listening to phone calls, infiltration. They were stealing the guy's mail. They were reading his stuff. Uh, they attempted extortion. They did more. I mean, this is this is a an era of domestic security wherein the same government agency, the FBI, wrote letters to Dr. Martin Luther King trying to convince him to kill himself. Yeah. Yeah, who, by the way, was assassinated just the year prior to when Fred Hampton was killed. Exactly, exactly. There's an escalation. And at the time, although this may sound like common knowledge to a lot of us listening today, at the time, COINTELPRO was classified. Nobody knew it was happening. Nobody knew. Uh, These operations were not public until 1971. And that's important because it means that during the Early morning hours, December 4th, 1969, there was no public scrutiny of uh, the actions that the FBI and its proxies 
local law enforcement chose to take. There was definitely not congressional oversight. Yeah. And even then, uh, this is terrible to even think, but even then, at the time, if you look at Congress, I mean, I can't, I can't say, this is my opinion, but I don't, I feel like congressional oversight wouldn't do much for something like this. And Unfortunately, not, yeah. and that's just my, that's just my, uh, completely my opinion. Mm, I agree with you. And one thing that this touches on is uh, something that's occurred in this government and other governments quite often, which is uh, the the conflict between elected and unelected officials, mm. right? You know, if you live in this country and you are able to vote, you can vote for a representative. You can vote for a president. You cannot vote for a Supreme Court justice. Those nine creepy ring wraiths that run this place and everybody still pretends that's normal. Excuse me. <laughs> Different episode. Yeah, or like, you know, people who are on the Federal Reserve. And people on the Federal Reserve. Yeah, excellent point. Uh, so you, you and I and anyone listening cannot directly vote for the heads of intelligence agencies. That's never going to be on your ballot. And presidents can come and go. But that is a different game. You know what I mean? I'm getting creeped out. I'm, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm passionate about this. I, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir here. But, it, but it's true. And the reason we bring that up is because we – I, I want to be very clear that there are people in Congress with the best of intentions who had no idea what was going on. Yes. You know what I mean? They were concerned about their constituency. They were probably con- – they were probably mainly concerned with being reelected if we're being honest. But they, they would not have co-signed these sorts of actions, right? Yeah. Because now looking back, we have to ask ourselves, who were the terrorists? Who was engaging in guerrilla tactics? Who successfully assassinated more people? Oh. I know, I know. Dang. Well, I'm just asking. I'm just asking. This, this stuff comes to a head in 1976. The Select Committee to Study Governmental Operations, which is something you hit me to years and years ago, Matt. The Church Committee. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, they finally realized in 76 that the FBI was violating the law and had been violating the law in several operations under COINTELPRO. Um, pretty rough stuff. The, so the stated aim, right, of COINTELPRO, when, when they go into an office and they're like, okay, we're, well, this is what COINTELPRO is going to do. We're going to prevent violence. And uh, that's really what it is. But some of these the actions that they took during this, it, it uh, arguably promoted violence between not, – not between the FBI and other groups, but between the groups that the FBI is surveilling under COINTELPRO, specifically the Black Panthers and several other rival organizations. Um, and we, we mentioned this in our video that we made, god, years ago. I don't even know when that was, but – and we talk about two other groups, the United Slaves and the Blackstone Rangers, mm-hmm. who are two other – I say similar groups, but um, they're, they're very different in many ways. But it's – these two other groups um, were then having major conflicts with the Black Panthers because of the actions taken by the FBI. Yes, and the FBI did not want these groups to unify. In the eyes of the – in the eyes of the Bureau, these groups were similar enough that yeah. they should be kept apart. They were considered troublemakers, right? And the FBI also worked ardently to prevent 
prominent BPP members from making public appearances, according to Noam Chomsky, who I know it can be a controversial author for some people, uh, COINTELPRO eventually expanded to include political assassinations. The reason we say according to Noam Chomsky is because even today you will you will quickly go down a rabbit hole of um, various uh, – you know what? I'm going to call them apologetics. I'm, I'm going to call them various attempts at rationalization okay. of assassination. Okay. The official story, right? Here, we, can, we can just give you the blow by blow. Back to the death of Fred Hampton, supporters of the party claimed Hampton was assassinated and that the government assassinated Hampton because they feared he could become a visible, unifying leader, an icon, a figurehead of the black power movement. So how did he actually die? We'll get to that right after a word from our sponsor. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit ATT.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. And we're back. In the early morning hours of December 4th, 1969, eight Cook County police officers um, who were acting 
under instructions from the Cook County State's Attorney's Office, approached the Westside Chicago headquarters of the Black Panthers. As you might imagine in a raid-type situation, there was another group of officers that approached from the back. Everyone inside was still asleep, including Fred Hampton. Inside uh, what was, you say headquarters, and it was really, it was an apartment. It was a flat. Um, There were nine people still asleep. This was in the very early morning hours um, before the sun had even risen. Yeah, it's crowded apartment, first floor, 19 guns in the apartment, uh, more than a 1,000 rounds of ammunition. Uh, The way that the Tribune reported the series of events was that This was a national hate group known for their revolutionary politics, more importantly, for shooting police officers. That's – they were cop killers. That's how this was reported, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is there any sand to that? Like, I mean, is there maybe some kind of conflict between police and Black Panthers that resulted in a police officer being killed and they spun it into these are cop-murdering savages? Um. You know, I don't have the uh, reporting right here with me or the police reporting, but in to my mind for the Chicago Tribune to print that uh, for killing cops, I would say that at least a few instances occurred. Yeah, there there are claims that there were 35 police officers who were murdered by the Black Panthers and the subsequent Black Liberation Army across the 60s, 70s, and 80s. So there were cops who did die. They were shot. Mm-hmm. And it's it's important that we mention this. People were dying. It's, uh, it's easy and tempting perhaps for some people to get caught in the game of equivocation yeah. right? uh, or to forget that there are actual human lives at stake. You know what I mean? So – We can only imagine that of the uh, six officers in the back door and the eight officers in the front, several of them may have thought they were on a mission of, dare I say, vengeance, right? Yeah. So at about 4.45 a.m., a Sergeant Daniel Groth knocked on the front door of the apartment. There was no answer. So he knocked With his gun. And presumably shouted. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Presumably shouted, yeah. Uh, Then they busted in the door. The next seven minutes of gunfire become one of the most intensely debated and disputed incidents of the entire decade. Yeah, there was a federal grand jury investigation that found that the police fired in the neighborhood of uh, ranging between 83 to 90 shots. Yeah, into this apartment. And this is a small – again, this is an apartment in Chicago. This is going to – that would just be chaos. I would fear for the lives of the neighbors. And again, the the one of the 19 guns in the apartment owned by the BPP, one shotgun discharged once. There was one shot fired. Yeah, it's pretty – that's pretty rough. Pretty, pretty damning actually. Mm. After the shooting stopped, Fred Hampton was dead. At 21. And a party leader from Peoria, a guy named Mark Clark, 22, was also shot fatally. And I believe the grand jury found that he was the one who, who discharged that one shotgun blast. Right. He was as he was set to be security, right? And now we return to William O'Neill, 
Panther and Informant. Uh, people didn't originally know the extent of his involvement with the FBI. Isn't that right? Yeah, it wasn't until – so this occurred – the death occurred in 1969 and his role wasn't revealed until 1973. Um, and yeah, that, it's – Pretty rough, actually. So we mentioned that he was a he was a member of the Black Panther Party. He was on the inside, working closely with Fred Hampton as well as Mark Clark, and he was simultaneously serving as an informant for the FBI. Uh, he would send information to uh, to the FBI. And by the way, he's a teenager at this time. This is a, he's a young guy when he's starting out working uh, with these guys. It's a tragedy. These people were so young. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, among the things that he sent to the FBI, mm -hmm. the primary thing, I guess, that, that people focus on is a, a floor plan for this apartment w that was eventually raided. His cover was blown and at, you know, at one point there, I, th I believe it was – I believe it was 73 when his cover was blown but I, I am not completely positive. It might have been earlier than that. I do not unfortunately have that specific information. But he ended up going into the Federal Witness Protection Program. Uh, we can say it here. He, his name at the time or when he went into the program was William Hart and he moved out to California. Um, and then eventually he moved back to Chicago in 1984. And the reason we're talking about uh, O'Neill in this way is because in January of 1990 on Martin, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, he actually took his own life by running out into traffic. And we know this because uh, he had an uncle named Ben Hurd who was with him that day and his story is told by the Chicago reader and that's what we're reading about here. And he um, – specifically this guy, Ben Hurd, has some insight into O'Neill's life. Yes, he learned of O'Neill's work with the FBI shortly after the death of Fred Hampton in 1969. And per Ben Hurd, uh, O'Neill denied everything that uh, he was asked about. And Hurd says, I thought about some of the things he did and said. I asked him, but he denied it. And then later, O'Neill opened up, told his uncle he'd been in trouble for everything from uh, car theft to kidnapping and torture and so on. And like some pretty heavy things. Pretty heavy things. Uh, Heard says that his nephew told him uh, they had tied someone up and were pouring hot water over his head. They were trying to get him to do something. So an FBI agent told O'Neill he would take care of all of it if he turned, if he infiltrated the Panthers. And Heard believed that O'Neill had regrets, right? Yeah, I think that's pretty safe to say. So he went on to say he, he was sorry that he did what he ended up doing um, and that he – it was under, it was his impression that this was an FBI uh, raid of the house. Mm -hmm. But the FBI gave it over to the state's attorney and then state police, local law enforcement took the reins from there. Um, they killed Fred Hampton and in this person's estimation – and made sure that he was dead. Yeah, that's a crucial point here. O'Neill, according to his own statements before his death, O'Neill thought this was just going to be a raid. Maybe people would get arrested for possession of firearms or some sort of uh, violation of uh, possession laws, right? Maybe it would have been a drug possession possibly, right? 
heck, you know, if, if they were looking for something, maybe it would have been a violation of the fire code. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I uh, mean, the, the biggest thing is the firearms charges. You probably could sure. have sent them to prison on just firearms charges. Uh, but that's not how it went down. Right. So from O'Neill's perspective, now, as far as we know today, O'Neill did not say that the FBI, on record, say that the FBI lied to him. Uh, but they did say originally that this was simply going to be a raid. And he was with his nephew the morning after the raid in Hampton's apartment and he saw the he, – he saw the aftermath. Yeah. Yeah, he said there were papers strewn all over the floor, blood all over. There was a trail of blood from where they, uh, the police, had dragged Fred's body. And William O'Neill, uh, in this case Bill, uh, he says, just stood there in shock. And he never thought it would come to this. Like all of his involvement uh, with the FBI, he, like we keep saying, he didn't think it would be a massacre. And that's only to, to speak to this person who has been, um, I guess, reviled – uh, throughout history now at this point uh, sure. as being the guy that set up Fred Hampton. Painted as Judas, right? Yeah. And, in, in, you know, there's two sides to it. In a way, he was. But in another way, he didn't understand. And to be very clear, to be crystal clear, the FBI actively conspired to, uh, to assassinate or to neutralize, at the very least, a 21-year-old boy for his political beliefs – because they saw it as a threat to both the economic and the racial or social status quo of the United States. This also occurred during the Vietnam era, wherein Hampton and many others like him would be lumped together as potentially existential threats to the solvency of the nation, right? Because this is, again, uh, th this stuff sounds so crazy. It sounds like people getting in a bubble and getting carried away. Yeah. Uh, this bubble was real. Yeah. Right? I think there was something in the outline here, Ben, that, that you didn't end up saying, but um, our buddies, the culture kings, have a phrase they use where it's talking about messing with the money. Mm -hmm. And that's when <laughs> the government starts really paying attention, you know, when I, yeah. it's upsetting the apple cart in a way that affects economics. I did put that in. And yes, and a shout out to Jaquise and Edgar. I didn't originally say it because I f think we still owe them a song. We do. <laughs> and, and, and I'm going to I'm going to at least uh, make the track for this next one. I don't claim to be awesome. an MC, but um, I can definitely make some beats. So let's yeah. let's, let's I commit to that. You're great Fellas. at that too. Well, thanks, you have buddy. a gift. You I guys say, are fantastic MCs. I say we put it out in 2020 just to surprise them out of nowhere. Yeah. Oh, and call it hindsight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we know they don't listen to the show, so it's going to be a surprise. <laughs> we should have them back on. I had a lot of fun in the uh, Michael Jordan episode. Oh, I wasn't around for that one. That's yeah. right. I forgot they were on. Maybe they did listen to the show. What am I saying? Hey guys, you, I was gonna say you missed out. It was actually really great. I'm sure it was. <laughs> they're they're great people. As far as we know, uh, they are not elements of CoIntelPro. That's true. <laughs> and, uh, and hopefully, uh, neither are you guys. But it's like uh, witch hunt rules, right? Like if you tell me you're not, that's more evidence that you are. Yeah, I think. I think you'd have to say no, right? And, and it's also – I'm sure we've said this before – a complete myth that if you ask an undercover cop if they're an undercover cop, they don't have to tell you the truth. <laughs> it's a total myth. <laughs> they can commit crimes with you. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's in my five rules. Yeah, for sure. And people would say that's for a greater good and that's the argument 
right, that um, succeeded in pitching COINTELPRO and in violating the laws and the rights of U.S. citizens. Uh, and taking the lives of and, U.S. citizens. And taking the lives, taking the one thing that cannot be returned. And to this day, officially, the FBI, the Justice Department, uh, the Chicago Police Force, they reject claims of political skullduggery. Uh, they say that the raid was um, unfortunate. It was not the ideal outcome. But on their side, it was conducted correctly and to the letter of the law. We're conducting a raid to find illegal firearms to neutralize a threat. In 1971, however, an activist group called the Citizens Commission to Investigate the FBI stole COINTELPRO documents. They stole the paperwork from a field office, and this is how the, this is how COINTELPRO became a public thing. Had they not conducted that raid, you see the parallels here, had they not conducted that illegal raid, then it is possible, if not plausible, that COINTELPRO would remain a myth and a rumor. And a conspiracy theory, an unproven conspiracy theory. Even today, yes. Uh, in April of the same year, by the way, 1971, the FBI officially terminated COINTELPRO, yet numerous critics of the U.S. government believe that programs like this uh, – Never really go away. The names change, but like Dr. Manhattan says in Watchmen, nothing nothing ever ends. Oh, yeah. Have you guys seen there's a Watchmen series that's coming to HBO? Yeah. Okay. It looks a lot less shiny than the Zack Snyder movie. Mm -hmm. Less shiny? Yeah. I felt like the Zack Snyder movie was a little like overly – polished looking every, every scene of painting yeah kind of this one like um, what's his name Rorschach's mask is literally just like a sack with kind of like you know um, well they're prequels right no I think maybe no I think it's the sh I don't I don't know I, I comic books be, were prequels. it has to be a prequel right I don't know that it is I think it's oh. I think it might even be a, either a deeper exploration of the series okay. um, with more of the because I mean, ah, come on you, you need more than a movie to really like go deep into that book right there's so much stuff in there that they couldn't I, put in dude i just rewatched it and you think it holds up i didn't like it i i don't know i loved it you did I, like I, it i loved you, it oh, you loved it? it okay all right i don't know and maybe it is just nostalgia I, I, I think the reason for me was that i that was such a formative graphic that was the first graphic novel i ever read where i was like oh i see what graphic novels can accomplish yes and it was just like mind-blowing to me so i felt like it was very sacred to me and to see someone Try to do. I felt like it was a valiant effort, but I also didn't really care for Zack Snyder's style anyway. Alan Moore hated it. Yeah, yeah. I Alan didn't. Moore is like. Well, I don't think he watched. He probably didn't even. Watch no, it. he 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 uh, does write excellent comics for mm -hmm. fun, uh, but I think is it's to support his main hobby, his main passion, which is just hating stuff. Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, just interestingly enough here, uh, and this show is not brought to you by Watchmen or HBO, just so you know that. If you go to hbo.com slash Watchmen, mm -hmm. the first thing you see is nothing ever ends. <laughs> yeah, and the, and the little the little blurb. Um, oh, and Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross doing the music. That's pretty dope. And it's a show run by Damon Lindelof, who I believe did, did Lost. Oh. That's correct, along with J.J. Abrams. And unlike Dr. Manhattan's 
quote, unlike his observation in the fictional world of Watchmen, this, love it or hate it, is the reality in which we have collectively lived for the span of this episode. And some things do end, namely this episode, but not our show. We hope that you enjoyed this cursory journey into the murky, uh, murky, morally problematic, ethically bankrupt uh, world of domestic intelligence. Um, we hope that regardless of whether or not you agree with the views of various groups mentioned in this show, we hope that you can agree that the loss of any human life is a tragedy. We also want to know if you think COINTELPRO really ended. Do you think it's still around? And if so, in what iteration? Do you have uh, a story or a, um, a particularly suspicious death that you think deserves more attention. Let us know. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter. Uh, we are Conspiracy Stuff at any number of those. And you can meet the best part of the show, your fellow listeners, on our Facebook community page, Here's Where It Gets Crazy. Uh, Matt will not, for, uh, for various reasons – various non-sketchy reasons, reveal his personal Instagram. Noel and I will. I am at Ben Bolin. And I'm at Embryonic Insider. And if I'm not mistaken, Matt, you sort of uh, dropped a few clues last time. Are you going to keep it on the DL like that? I am at an egg-shaped object <laughs> You're the Twitter Instagram. egg? Yep. You're just the Twitter egg. That's, that was me uh -huh. the, you're the whole you're time. anonymous Twitter user. Yeah. But what if somebody doesn't care for the internet, you guys? Well, then I don't know how you're getting by uh, in life. <laughs> these days. But no, you know what? That's not true. There are ways. You can still, there's tel 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 telephony? Telophony? T t telophony? <laughs> tel remember? You guys know telophony? Telophony. <laughs> telophony Jones? That's what they used to call it, you guys, back in the day. Remember when like the early days of the internet where there would be like a telephony suite in, a, in um, like Prodigy or something where you yes. could make phone calls through the computer? It was crazy. Phony. Literally phony. Oh. We, we do have a number though. We have an old school number. We are 1-833-STDWYTK. Yes, call and leave a message. But what happens if what happens if someone says, "Okay, I don't want to use social media and I hate phones because it's, you know, 2019." Absolutely. Just send us a good old-fashioned email. We are conspiracy at howstuffworks.com. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. 
Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.